Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and join us today. As the name says, we are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have the marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have the folks who help others create their businesses, and we have on the other side of that coin, the do-it-yourselfers like to have your own hands on the levers. If you, like me, are one or more of the above, in fact, many of our listeners who tune in every week are all of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how we help you at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite syndication network, such as iTunes. When you subscribe, you will get fresh content every single week and immediate access to over 270 episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators just like you. Today's topic is something that's pretty near and dear to my heart, and I see so many folks who create businesses, who go into entrepreneurship, who move beyond startup and go from activity to action, build teams, build businesses, serve the world, and it seems like they're kind of muddling through. And that in itself is the clue. If they're muddling, that means that there's something unclear. There's a lack of clarity. And it's my belief, just like our guest shares with us today, that business starts with personal clarity. So that's what we're going to cover. Because to have massive freedom in your life and business, you must have a clearly defined vision story, and you must become aware of your blind spots as a leader. I myself, like you, am not only the host of the Business Creators Radio Show, I'm also a listener. I have my pad of paper and my two pens out so that I can take notes. And that's a little thing that I've mentioned time and time again, but I know we have some new listeners this week, so I just want to make sure I mention that. When somebody says get a pad of pen and paper, or, uh, I, or get a pad of paper and a pen, rather, my suggestion is actually to tell them to get a pad of paper and two pens because inevitably one will run out of ink, one will break, or if you're in a situation where your office is controlled by a couple of little mini panthers, uh, the little cat will grab your pen and walk off with it right when you're in the middle of something like my cat does. So always have two pens. Let's introduce who we have with us today. His name is Gregory Gray. And just to tell you a little bit about Gregory Gray, he's the founder of businessownerfreedom.com, and his business is built around one common principle, which is to help you find your purpose and joy in life and your business. Whether you desire freedom of time, wealth, or purpose, Greg and his team can help you. They offer executive and business coaching, along with courses, programs, and workshops specifically designed to affect positive transformation so you can realize your desired vision and lifestyle. On a personal note, Gregory is the father of two daughters, ages 16 and 14. He's been married for 21 years to his best friend, Kim. They live south of Nashville on a farm where they raise grass-fed beef, lamb, and goats. They love their lifestyle and are living their vision daily. Greg, come on in. The weather's fine. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I'll bet you already we have a couple listeners, at least a couple folks, who have opened a separate tab in their browser, who have gone to their mobile browser while they're streaming this to their device, and they're looking up Gregory Gray. They're looking up businessownerfreedom.com. So they're looking to get to know a little bit more about you. 
So what I'd like to do before we dive into our very exciting topic today is just take a quick step back and let's hear a little bit about more your journey and what's brought you to what where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Well, I'll be glad to. Um, my my career started out um, pretty much like everybody does. You know, you, you go to college, you get a job, and that sort of thing. And I found myself in the manufacturing space for over 20 years, and, and specifically automotive manufacturing before I spent a lot of those years. And as I raised through the ranks of, of those industries and those businesses, I found myself growing in, in responsibility and, and the need to learn leadership. And so I put a lot of effort and energy into personal development around the, the subject of leadership and influence and, and building teams and those type of things. And and I found through that journey um, that and through experiencing some uh, good aspects of that and some not so good aspects of that, you know, you learn from what you've experienced, which is good or bad, either one. And so I, I, I took that experiential knowledge and realized that I wanted to step out of the corporate world and go help affect culture and leadership at, at other industries and in, in, within other businesses that uh, need that help. So I was blessed to work for some fantastic businesses and and learn a lot in those 20-plus years. And then about uh, almost 10 years ago now, I uh, stepped out on my own. Uh, I've, I've bought and 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 grown a couple of small businesses along the way but i've continued to consult and coach consistently and now uh, along with our farm and uh, the coaching consulting business that's where my focus is and so um i I, as part of that journey i've i've about 2007 i learned how to put my own vision story together we'll talk about that more here in a minute but uh, as i as i put together my personal vision and my business vision uh, I decided I wanted to go live that, and so our family is blessed to be able to live that vision today. Well, you know, I'm vegan, so I can't get behind. No, I'm just kidding. Um, seriously, though, I am, I am, I am, okay. I am vegan, but I'm, I'm the kind that if you and I were sitting down together, and you know, I had my uh, big bowl of rabbit food, and you had your New York strip steak, the only thing I'm going to ask you, if I even ask anything at all, is did they cook that to your satisfaction? Because it's my belief that. <laughs> And, and I bring this up just very briefly, first of all, so we could have a good laugh about it. And second of all, because I think that part of a person experiencing your personal clarity is not feeling the need to have to convert others or to lecture to others or to show people how they need to change. Like uh, some some vegans may come to you and say, how could you eat that? How, how could, you, how could right. you kill animals and stuff like that? They could say that, but I won't. Yep. Because my belief is that if I'm going to persuade anybody, I'm simply going to live by example. And if people are interested or curious about that, I'm willing to help them. But other than that, uh, the best that I can do for the world is serve as a positive example for what I think is best, give others the space to do the same thing. And when we all speak from that place of our personal clarity, I believe we can make the biggest difference in the world in the long term. Oh, I agree 100%. And- I've never ever convinced somebody one way or the other on in the, on their dietary habits or anything other than eat healthy because you know it's it's a personal preference and just to be blunt and very honest with you even though we raise grass fed beef and lamb I don't eat meat every meal I, as a matter of fact I, right. I eat it you know sparingly because I know it's it's good like everything it's good in its portion and its place and and I quite honestly have a lot of meals where I eat nothing but vegetables and fruit so 
um, it's it's not a uh, uh, a lifestyle that that I'm for or against. It's whatever is good for you. So uh, we we don't push that and, and tell people they're crazy for not eating meat. We don't tell people that they should eat meat, and vice versa. We don't uh, abstain from it in any shape or form. But uh, everything is, has its moderation. Everything has its place, and uh, so yeah. we we support that completely. Yeah, I have a um, I have a meme picture. It shows a cat dressed up as a cow. And because uh, you know the thing about lol cats, the trope is that they that they can have cheeseburger, and it says yes. to have the cheeseburger, I must be the cheeseburger. <laughs> That's fun. That's funny. Yeah. And well, we, and, and we, there's uh, another... we believe. Go ahead. I was just saying we believe in sustainable practices. We're 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 very much on the on the threshold of of a very. Uh, I mean, that's why we do grass fed. We don't we don't do grains or any of that stuff. So we we're very natural. So if you had to get as close to vegan as you could, but eat still eat meat, that's that's what we would be because we believe what the cows eat, what the what the lambs eat, is what we're eventually eating, right? So we we try to yeah. go and and feed the natural way, and so they're they're completely pasture raised and grass fed, and and the animals love it better, and and we we like it much better too. So yeah. Yeah, I I absolutely respect that, and you know that goes back to the old joke that I'm a secondhand vegetarian. Um, my my <laughs> my food eats vegetables, so that makes me a secondhand vegetarian. If you've seen that joke before, and then one more, <laughs> right. then one more. I was at, then one more I have for you. I was at Larry Wingett's conference a few months ago, and I had a great conversation with this guy. Apparently, he's a hog farmer, and he had a T-shirt on that advertises hog farm with a big picture of a pig on it. And I walked up mm-hmm. to him and I said. You know, I think I know that guy on your shirt. Is his name Chris P. Bacon? <laughs> and we had a good laugh. I like that. So, yeah. yeah. So if you have a little humor in life, that gets, yeah. gets you a long way. And, again, just by living your own example. Now, what I've discovered about you, Greg, is just in researching you and getting to know a little bit about who you are before we had you come on the Business Creators Radio Show, is that seems to me to be something that is very important to you, to have your clarity and to – serve as an example. So let's start by creating a frame about what your world looks like. In your business, who are some of the clients you help and what do they look like? Uh, I'm sure they're good-looking people, but you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. I only work with good-looking people. <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know, when I first started out, my clients were mostly corporate-based because that's where I came from was corporations. So that's that's where I got my first uh, start, if you will. And, and, and most corporations – suffer from, you know, needing more leadership training and team development and organizational development, and especially in the culture realm. And so that's really where I got my start. But over time, um, I found more and more small business owners were yearning for, for what I did and, and then some. So um, my client base today, I still do some corporate, but it's mostly the small business owner. So um, yeah. anywhere from you know, the three state I, I consider there's three stages of business ownership, right? There's the startup, there's the grow up, and then there's the scale up. And, and, and where I really focus is in the grow up and scale up. Those two different phases of where there's the, the technician becomes the owner and then the owner becomes the CEO. And those are where we really shine and where we really help. I, I do help startups from time to time, but that is not my main focus. There's other people that, yeah. that focus on that. So, if you had to describe the business, it could it could it could be any type of business. Quite just to be bluntly, it's not just manufacturing, which is my background. But I do manufacturing, I do some construction, some uh, uh, tech industry. I, I do work with some software companies, and I also work in the medical field. There's quite a quite a few uh, 
what I would call independent uh, practices out there that need help. Um, what what you find is that no matter what the business is, the business owner is usually the technical expert in that business, whether it's a plumber right. or, a, or or medical doctor or whoever. They know that better than I'll ever know. That, that's that's their thing. But what we do is we come in and we help them get their mind around their business in a holistic uh, format. So they need to look at it from a true, you know, visionary and strategic standpoint as well as a technical standpoint. And we help them take a few steps back and look into that. So when we talk about giving business clarity, that's what we do. Um, so right now I would say anywhere from, call it, five to 50 employees, we do a lot of work in that space. Um, we do some up to a 1,000 employees. And then the the range in revenue is dependent on the industry, but anywhere from $1.5 million to $10 million is really kind of a sweet spot. We do some well over that too, but um, – uh, we find that the small business owners are, are really needing what we do, and we really enjoy working with them because they can respond much quicker than a, than a corporation can with the bureaucracy and the red tape that gets involved. So, Yeah. One of the things that I do in my own consulting is, uh, in fact, I was working on this topic just earlier today because it's something we're going to be presenting in front of a couple audiences in the next couple months, is how to mm -hmm. leverage the power of minimalism to maximize your business success. And if we apply that, whether it's to a startup or to a small entrepreneurial venture or the technician making the journey from from technician to owner to CEO, however you want to call that, and mm -hmm. I found that when you can make the transition from activity to action and get into revenue as quickly as possible, that changes a lot of things. And I've seen this time and time again with businesses that are on their way, particularly startups, we'll just mention those for a second, is mm -hmm. when you're in that startup phrase, Space, what do you do but have a lot of meetings, like meeting after meeting after meeting? And then there's the complaint that, well, we went to the retreat or we did the three-day session and we had the consultant and we came up with all these plans. We never executed any of it. And now we're talking mm -hmm. about doing something different. Well, see, that's both the blessing and the challenge of a startup, which or any business that's really in a growth pattern, is because sometimes they find themselves in the trap of making too many predictions of yes. what's going to be before they actually get in front of a customer. And I will take the opposite direction. I'll say, look, what within the realm of what this company is supposed to do can you get paid for like right now? Go exactly. get paid. Actually get your hands on with customers because the best part of all this is is you don't even really know for sure that you want to do this until you do it. I have experience myself with starting a business and then deciding about six months in it was the last thing I wanted to do in my life. And I soldiered along <laughs> with it for five years because I thought it would get better, yep. but I didn't really want to be there. And even a lot of my even a lot of my customers told me that I was uh, I was made for different things. And I took a while to mm -hmm. listen to that. And I think a lot of that came because I just myself didn't have the clarity. I kind of had an idea what I didn't want to be doing, but I wasn't quite with that vision of knowing where my personal clarity was about what I did want to do. So, you know, we're talking about personal clarity today and how that relates to business success. I just gave you a little mm -hmm. bit of my introductory thoughts on it, but let's have you elaborate on that some more because I know it's your primary bailiwick. Yeah, well, to use your, your experience as an example, um, in the startup phase, there's really two things that, that the business owner really needs to focus on, and you hit one of them, which is revenue, and the other is vision. Because, um, you know, the vision is, is sort of the 
setting the direction and, and pointing the vehicle in the right way, and then the, the, the revenue is the gasoline in the tank. So you got to have both. Yeah. And as a startup, that's the two main things. There, you know, all the other stuff will come as, as you grow. Um, because without the revenue, you, you'll, you have nowhere, you, you have no way to get there. And without the vision, you, you may get there fast, but you don't know where that is, which is what happened to you. Right. So one of the things we talk about is, and, and we, matter of fact, we will not work with a client unless they go through this. It's a small business owner is, is sit down and do a vision story and a vision story uh-huh. helps the business owner get clarity, but it's not just, it's not clarity like a business plan. Now, business plans are good. But a vision story is great, and I'll tell you the difference. I mean, they're both needed, but yep. the vision story is when you take your personal life and your business life and you meld those things together and you say, okay, how is this going to all work in unison? So we go through things like, you know, your your financial picture, your family picture, you know, even your faith picture, you know, what are you going to do with that? And then we talk about, you know, your culture, your business, and, you know, what, what products and what services are you going to deliver and you know what's your uh, your vision and mission and values for your business going to be, and we 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 talk about all those things and then some, and we get this vision story put down on paper where it's very clear and can be articulated to anybody, and especially your family and the and the people that are working with you, and so everybody can be very clear where you're going to go. Now we find that while that's good for everybody to to see that and be communicated the greatest benefit is to the owner themselves because they go, okay, this is really what this is going to do to me. Do I want to go on this journey? And if they do, then they can go get the revenue, put the gas in the, in the tank and, and take off and go full speed. The problem is, and I've, exhi- I've experienced the same thing you did. You know, I've, I've gone in, I actually bought a business, uh, an insurance agency one time. I always, always wanted one. It was one of those things on my bucket list kind of things to do. I always wanted one. I thought it'd be great to do because I, I love the financial products and all that until I owned one. And then I realized I, I didn't like this. Um, and, you know, two years later I was selling it. And I was like, thankful to sell it. So that was one of right. the epiphanies I had when I did that. I said, okay, I've got to help other people not do this. And so using the vision story uh, not only keeps you from doing things you shouldn't do, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. And the other thing the vision story does, it actually helps you do what you want to do, what you should do, even better because it helps you really, truly focus. Wow. See that? And and I appreciate you drawing that distinction between a business plan and a vision story because I have seen so many businesses, whether they're in startup mode, whether they're already in revenue, whether they're an organization with 10 employees and six contractors. I've seen various versions of this that will go through business plan, business plan, business plan, business plan. And planning, 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 planning. And I think the reason why they keep adjusting these plans and going back to the planning stage is because when you really come down to it, they don't have, or at least have not yet achieved, that level of personal clarity that comes through a vision story. Like, where do they really see themselves? I was in a situation myself, Greg, uh, maybe five years ago, where I Mm -hmm. looked into my future and I I saw a blank screen. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Yeah. Not fun, is it? And that's what, nah, that's what that's what told me I needed to uh, make some adjustments. Now, what I ended up doing is I realized I, I did some reflection over the, the the first ten years of my life as an entrepreneur, and I noticed some trends. I noticed some areas of development for myself, and 
made the conscious decision to spend some time focusing on some of those areas. In the meantime, I had adjusted my business to something that I could enjoy. I had a good client base. I had regular new clients coming in, so the money wasn't a problem. It, I, I knew this wasn't you know, the be-all and end-all, but I gave myself the space to spend some time figuring out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And the culmination of that is in 2016, I started a blog that had absolutely uh, no conversion goal, no avatar, no nothing. The only purpose of this blog was my commitment to spending 90 days blogging about whatever in business grinded my gears. And at the end of that 90 days, look for the trends. And that became the basis of my bestseller, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy, through which mm-hmm. I developed the Spring Formula, which is a platform from my consulting, my speaking, and my training today. So that was what I needed to go through to create a vision. I didn't sit down and do a vision story, and I know you're going to share with us a little bit more specifically how you do a vision story, but when I look at it retrospectively, it seems to come back to I needed to find my vision. Yeah, and I think what you did is 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 very smart. And one thing that I recommend a lot of people is you were sort of journaling, in, in a sense, by, by blogging like that. And I have found when people try to find their way, if they don't use like the, the, the formal vision story that we have, if, if, if they do nothing else, just start journaling and writing down your thoughts. And a blog is an excellent way to do that because as you do that, the trends, like you said, will emerge, and you'll find what really uh, fires you up and what really has you percolate when you when you think about it. And that there there in itself is is something that you can you can lean in when you start thinking about your business. And um, you know that doesn't mean that you know if you're uh, in the plumbing business or an HVAC business and you start writing about leadership that that you have to stop those businesses and go go coach people in leadership. It just means. You need to focus on that within your business. You want to be a leader. You want to grow yourself. You want to grow leaders within your business. And it just tells you what what sector you need to focus on. So um, I think what you did was very wise, and, and it's a it's a it's a smart way to, to find out what your voice is. And that's that's what I like to call it. It's your voice and your and your and your um, your thoughts. And 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 when all those things start connecting, then they start making some sense. Uh, but it's hard to do it if you only read. I think reading is good too, but if you only read or only listen to other people, you, you get part of the equation, but something has to come out of you as well. And you know, talking to people and, and, and journaling and writing are, are a great way to do it. Yeah, and you know the formula for this is actually very simple. You buy some domain, like if you like let's say for instance you had GregoryGrade.com, you hadn't quite figured out what to do with that domain yet, just blog under that or find some cute little nickname or whatever you want to call it. Just find a, an attractive-sounding domain, uh, install WordPress on it, put, out, put up a simple theme on it. We're not looking for 24 different plugins that do 95 forms of hopscotch. The idea is you're going to post <laughs> something every day for 90 days. That's it. You're going right. to write an article that may, you know, about something that's grinding your gear, something you're passionate about, something you want to tell the world about. You're going to add one photograph that you're going to download from a royalty-free source that matches the topic so that you can get the graph display when you share it on social media and also for the Google image search because it's good for your search engine optimization. Uh, whip up a, some sort of community like a business page or something and get people to like it and then share the stuff every day. And the other benefit of that is you actually build an audience toward what you're developing and you literally invite them to be, become part of your journey of discovery. And through that, 
you get a ton of feedback about not only what grinds your gears and what motivates and stri strikes your vision, but also what others will respond to. And I found that the craziest thing emerged. One of the trends that jumped up is I got a lot of feedback that was the right kind of feedback that drove me forward when I started speaking about topics about how annoying it is to deal with people's voicemail. <laughs> how about that? And you, and you can spawn a lot of different directions about organizational effectiveness, team building, mm -hmm. communicating with your audience, just off the idea of how you deal with incoming and outgoing calls and people's voicemail. It's amazing. Absolutely good, yes. Huh, that's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you know, tell us, you, know, you gave us the distinction about why a vision story is important and how it's distinct from other things we may think of, like a business plan or a mission statement or something like that. So mm -hmm. let's say that uh, you assigned me. I have come to you a few years ago. And let's say you had assigned me to create my vision story. What would be my assignment? What would that look like? Well, we, um, you know, if it's if it's if it's a couple that is starting a business together, they they need to both be part of the vision story. And um, and if it's a individual, then then you can do it in your own time. But um, either either way, whoever all is involved in that in that business startup, if it's two partners or a couple or whatever it is, everybody needs to be part of the vision story because it's going to affect them all. So let's just take the family piece for instance. So there's a there's a piece in there where we go okay describe how this is going to impact your family what's your lifestyle with your family going to look like so for example you know I have two daughters in high school and when I started this business they were quite younger I had a specific vision in my mind of how I wanted to be a part of their life wanted to go to their events um, you know was I willing to travel or not travel those type of things and so you have to walk through all these specific details of what your day and your week is going to look like week to week and day to day because if you don't consider all those things, you may end up in a business that's not right for you and doesn't meet your lifestyle. So once you start putting all that down on paper, um, then you need to get your significant other, your spouse, your partner, whomever it is, to, to do the same thing because they may say, well, wait a minute, you know, I see what you've written, but this is what I expect from you and you haven't put this on there or, you know, we're not meeting in the middle here. There's something that's going to have to change because this is, you know, you're saying you're willing to travel 50 to 80 percent of the time, and I don't think that's correct for our family situation. So you need to work through those things. Otherwise, you'll end up with tension in the in the business once you start it. So as you walk through the family piece, it's good to share it with your family, and also share it with whoever else is going to be part of the business with you, so their expectations are set correctly. Because the worst yeah. thing that happens is is everybody thinks they have the expectations clear. The business starts, and then one partner's looking at the other, going, "Wait a minute, I thought you were going to work." 50 hours a week like me. It's like, no, 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 I was going to only work 20 hours a week. What are you talking about? I never said that. And there you have this friction that just turns into, you know, more and more chaos over time. Um, but that's just one sliver. Then, then you also go through the financial piece. And the financial piece is, okay, how much income do I need, you know, for the next, say, one or two years? And then after that, does it need to increase to a certain amount in the third year? And do I have enough savings built up to bridge me through that, you know, lower income phase if we're right. going to have a lower income. It's all those factors and thoughts that have to go in place because, again, two partners, one may be thinking, okay, we're not taking any income the first two years. And the other one's thinking, i got to make $100,000 the first two years. And all of a sudden, their expectations aren't quite clear. 
And you need all that written down in the vision story because for a business to really suit you and for you to give it 100%, it has to match your lifestyle that you also need. That makes sense. You know, I got a, this may sound tangential to a degree, but I remember several years ago I was involved in a, in a startup that uh, actually kind of stopped and then later on came back, and now it's actually thriving. Uh, and part of that had to do, and part of that had to do because you know the founder of it is a good friend of mine. He and I had a number of conversations in the intervening time between when the startup ended and when he decided to restart it in a different way. And now it's he's making a lot of money with it. He's got a mastermind going. He's you know it's awesome. But when mm-hmm. we were in the first startup, uh, part of it was there was a vision issue, and retrospectively that became quite clear. Now, what's tangential about this is uh, during the first phase of the startup, or the first attempt at it, uh, our startup had acquired an office. So, mm-hmm. uh, like one of the member, like one of the other people on the board of the startup had leased this office space and had extra space, so that became our office. And the question became, how much time was I going to spend in their office? And I had this vision <laughs> that I would stop by, uh, I would do two half days a week. That was my vision. Uh, enough mm-hmm. that I could have a hand in, but not enough that it would take away from my other business ventures and uh, and what you know in my view of uh, enjoying a laptop lifestyle. Like even as I sit out here, I'm out on my balcony and uh, you know it's uh, you know it's, you know fall in Las Vegas and it's about 65 degrees. It's actually kind of comfortable and you may hear in the background my cat's inside and she's not allowed on the balcony because she's kind of an escape artist and she keeps demanding to know why she can't be out here. <laughs> So you hear her through the screen door. So I'm giving her some fresh air while I sit out here. And and one of the other people who were in the room for the startup said, but, you know, it's really great about having an office is, you know, you can stop by somebody else's cubicle at any time. And if you ever want to get together, we can just say, hey, let's have a meeting and jump in the conference room. And as they're describing oh. this, I'm feeling, as they're describing this, I'm feeling physically ill because <laughs> not having to do that stuff is what keeps me going when the roller coaster of entrepreneurship is in a dip. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, 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 and sometimes it's little things like that. Um, dreading what it would be like to be in that environment could go to, all right, so what is our startup really going to look like? Do we have to have an office? And if we have an office, does everybody have to be there? And why do we have to be there? Because what we're seeing more and more, I read an article about this just the other day, is – Companies, even larger corporations, are now getting to the point where infrastructure is becoming such a cost driver that they're really waking up to the idea of work at home. And mm-hmm. they've been, they're actually going to letting people work from home a lot more, and they're you know, setting up VPNs and, and those types of networks to secure the data, but they're letting people work from their homes or what have you, simply because it's cheaper than maintaining office space for them. Oh, I, I was wondering. Yep. When, I was wondering when we were going to finally get to that point of letting people work at home, because that was that's been such a big battle for so many years, and it's turning out that we may actually be trending in that direction now at long last, and it's because companies just don't have the money for big offices. Mm-hmm. Hey, sometimes however you can take it. That, that's exactly right. But that, but that when that's a key part. I mean, if you're starting a business, that's very important to understand, right? Because um, if your expectation is to work from home like you wanted to do and their expectation is, no, we're going to be an office-bound company, well, that's a, that's a completely different lifestyle. Um, 
quite different. Um, and I could argue which one's more uh, effective, and it really depends on the business and the individual. But, I mean, I work from my home office, and then I go to my clients and, you know, see them in their in their offices and all. So uh, then if I had an office, it wouldn't matter. And and I guess it depends right. on your business and your lifestyle. And some people want to work in an office. They they have to have those other people around them and all. You know, it just depends. And so that those little nuances right there, what you're talking about, are part of the vision story, and they do make a difference to some people. So you right. have to you have to outline all those things, and 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 you could go on and on. The list is quite long when you start thinking about it, and and it becomes uh, very important. And you don't know which piece is important to some people versus the other. I mean, some people could care less. Office, home doesn't matter. Other people, you know, they would, you know, I, I couldn't work in an office again now. I mean, I've been away for over ten years, so it's like. Yeah, that, that that freedom and lifestyle is completely different. Um, right, couldn't go back. Yeah, right. I just I just can't see it. And I get approached all the time, uh, especially here in Las Vegas, and you know, in the downtown, they're doing the downtown partnerships, and they're oh, yeah. spending all these co-working spaces and things like that. And I get approached all the time, folks, uh, asking me to uh, come to the co-working space, rent a space there. And uh, the only thing that would drive me to rent a space there is if I decide to make a concerted effort to get traditional financing for my business. The reason for that is because one of the secrets of getting traditional financing for your business is they look for you to have an office space where – you have hanging on your wall in a frame your the certificate that holds the license for your corporate entity. <laughs> okay. I, found, I found this out. We, we covered this in one of the other episodes of Business Creators Radio Show. That's one of the things they look for. Another thing they look for is for you to have a for you have an address where you do work that is not in a res, that is not zoned residential and is not mm-hmm. obviously a UPS store. And they actually have databases of this. So if the the address that you write on your application is, you know, you work from home, but you have, you know, you have an external mailbox, so it has a, a business sounding address. They can actually cross-reference that to a database that is shared by all the leading financial institutions that will immediately red flag your application. So, yeah, if I'm going to get co-working space, because that means I'm going for money. Gotcha. And, 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 even, and even then, I'd probably never go there. I'd just show up once in a while to make sure my certificate was still hanging on the wall. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we're a little over halfway through here, and we're having a lot of fun here. Uh, what I want to do is I want to shift gears a little bit and discuss blind spots. So, okay. fact is, leaders have blind spots. So, what is your experience with leaders and discovering their blind spots? Uh, how do they identify them? and why they have to identify them. And if you could throw in a couple examples, I love the storytelling approaches here, because I think we all have examples of leadership with blind spots. Even I have a few. Yeah, I mean, if you're a leader, you definitely have blind spots. And, and we're all leaders in some some realm or, or, or not, and especially as a business owner. Um, but even if you're not a business owner, you're just a, a, a key position in a business, you are a leader. And, and and everybody can influence other people, which is that's really, really my definition of a leader. It's kind of the John Maxwell thing, you know. If you influence others, you are a leader. And so, um, so this, I guess what I'm saying is nobody's off the hook on this one. We all have blind spots, and right. you know, to to define a blind spot, what it means is there's just something there's a there's a um, you know a, a 
quality about yourself that you may not realize is affecting people, um, and typically a blind spot would be negatively. I mean, there's things you can do that could be positively impacting people that you may not know, but we're really focused on the things that are negatively holding right. holding back something. So as a business owner, you may be communicating something in a way, for example, that um, you're saying from your heart the right stuff, but it's coming across incorrectly. Or it may be something in your body language, or it could be um, not knowing your personality well enough that as you do something, you're driving somebody else, literally driving them crazy with what the way you're doing something when you really think you're doing it appropriately. And so, um, so one of the things that we do to help leaders start unmasking some of their blind spots is we do some uh, behavioral assessments like the DISC profile. We'll talk about that more here in a minute. But So let's just say on the DISC profile, you know, DISC is D-I-S or C. And so yeah. I'm, a D, I'm a DI, for example. So I'm a driver influencer. And, you know, as a DI, which is, um, you know, a D is about 3% of the population. A D is what you, you know, a lot of people say a type A personality. It's, it's very much a driver type, very much People, typical people that end up in leadership roles, you know, the classic leadership roles, or, or they become, um, you know, take charge people in a situation. So back in my career, early in my career, uh, I'd say I was in my, you know, early 30s, let's say, somewhere in that realm. Um, I do a, um, a little uh, stop, start, continue um, assessment, if you will. It's very simple. And I did, the, did this with my leadership team at the time. And so what it is is on a piece of paper you have stop at the top, start in the middle, and continue at the bottom. And you hand it out to your yeah. teammates, your, your leadership team, and say, hey, what do you want me to stop doing? What do you want me to start doing? And what do you want me to continue doing? Of course, we all right. know that, you know, most of the stuff are stops and starts. Nobody tells you what you need to continue, but that's 98% of what you do, but that's okay. It's, it's what you want to stop doing and start doing that they really focused on. So – I had one one member of my team. Um, she didn't fill it out, but she came to me afterwards. I guess she was a little uh, apprehensive about filling. Even though it was anonymous, she just wanted to talk to me about it. And she literally came to me and said, "Hey, you know, there's there's something you're saying, and I can't remember the specifics of what it was I was saying at the moment. But it was the way I was phrasing something was really uh, kind of hitting a nerve with her. It was kind of a, a hot point for her. And so when I learned that." I could change the way I phrased it, and to me, it was benign. It was, it was I didn't mean anything by it, good or bad. It was just phrasing something a certain way, but it was triggering something in her. So that was gold for me because I, I was wondering why I was, you know, not getting to her in certain communications, and this is what yeah. it was. It was just it was setting her backwards. So that was a pure blind spot that I never would have known if she hadn't confronted me and, and felt like she could tell me what that was. Um, another blind spot that, that I ran across recently was in one of my clients, and literally just a few weeks ago, was um, there was a, a the, the leader of the organization, the owner. When they would communicate with their team, they're very blunt and they're very um, honest and they're they're very to the point, um, so they happen to be a D as well in the disc profile. Yeah. Well, their people, yeah. the, the the people that reported to this leader, 
could not tell them that their approach was off-putting because everybody that reported to them was an SC, which is quite the opposite on the spectrum. So they were taking everything right. as very harsh. Well, when we went through this exercise and, and shared the disk assessments with everybody and we talked about it, you know, it was very obvious to me that, oh, wow, there was a, there was an issue here. So we brought it out, talked about it, and they literally all hugged and were all, thank goodness, this is out in the air. We can now breathe again. You know, it's like, and, and, and the leader took it with stride and said, okay, I'm going to make that change. And, and they have. And the team has just literally jailed because of that in just a matter of a couple of weeks. That's what a blind spot is. It's something that's hindering your team from being all it can be and from building the trust it can build. And so, and, and, and it's hard to put an ROI on this because it's, it's very hard to measure. But I can guarantee you that revenue and profit can be lost because of this because you either communication doesn't come across right to your team or they do something differently than what you expect or you feel like they're struggling and they don't quite have the trust they should have. And, and you know, their, their speed of communication and speed of uh, uh, effectiveness when you have that trust built. So blind spots typically erode those type of things and, and cause confusion with, amongst the team and amongst the business and literally hold things back. So it's kind of like a pothole in the road. You can only go so fast when there's potholes all over the road. You have to slow down because you'll tear up the car. Well, that's kind of the same way as your business. If you, right. If you, if you have those blind spots, it's 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 jarring everybody, and they slow down, and they they're they're being too careful at that point. If that makes sense. Yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. And you know, sometimes it may be the little things that influence the blind spots. As you were telling that story, I was reminded of something that was shared with me a long time ago by somebody who may actually be listening right now, because I know they tune in for a lot of the episodes of Business Creators Radio Show, and. Years ago, they worked on the administrative staff, like as an administrative assistant for a uh, for a mid-sized company. And mm-hmm. uh, for and, and anybody who in, in corporate scenarios knows, there's this thing called Administrative Professionals Day, which is where you honor your administrative staff. It's kind of a big deal. And if you're mm-hmm. an administrative staff and your boss does not praise you on Administrative Professionals Day, then that's actually considered like a slap in the face. It's taken very seriously now. This company almost got it right, and they decided to hold a luncheon to honor, celebrate, and thank their administrative staff. Uh, they let them have it in the executive boardroom, you know, really, you know, the five-star treatment. They brought in a caterer. I mean, they really went above and beyond with this. And then it mm-hmm. gets even more exciting because the CEO, uh, who was not somebody who was known to really burn the shoe leather out on the floor, showed up. And it's like, wow, the CEO's here. Exciting. So, you right. know, being the CEO, he uh, grabbed himself a sandwich, he sits down, and uh, he's called upon to say a few words. And he says the standard boilerplate stuff about how we appreciate you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then he goes off in this really weird tangent. When she told me this, I thought it was really weird. He said, you know, uh, sometimes you know, you see us in the hall and we're walking by and you say hi to us and we just look the other way and keep walking. I just wanted you to know that's just because we're busy. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, wow. and, 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 from what she, and from what she told me, you could just see all the faces sag. Like, what the, you know, why would you say 
something like that. And to the larger issue, if uh, even if you are the CEO of a company, of, of course people are going to say hi to you and wave to you as you walk down the hall. Uh, you may not have time to, you know, hobnob with all of them. Uh, you may not even have, uh, you know, it might even tire you out to say hello, how you doing to every single person, but you can't make eye contact and nod as you walk by. Acknowledge <laughs> that the person is physically there. <laughs> I mean. So, so, so what he was saying was uh, so that basically. Sounds like a, that sounds like a. That was That's an a excuse, wasn't it? Right there. Yeah. yeah that, that, like, Wow. Yeah, that's not that's not a uh, that's not a uh, a proper way to to do things and and treat people and and definitely was a blind spot that he needed to work on and um, right. And but the, the, you know the thing is, does any you know the culture of that business? Does anybody have the ability to go tell him that? Probably not, or he wouldn't have been that way. That, and that, that and, and that's, that's one of the things the you got to do. You're right, and you and so that that. That leads me to the next piece about blind spots, which is how do you overcome it? Well, you need to build a team around you that says that you t- that you give them the authority and the and even the responsibility to tell you when you when you do something stupid. And right. that takes that takes guts for a leader to do that. You have to set your ego aside. You have to put your uh, your humble hat on, and you got to be vulnerable. But if you can do that, and when you find yourself doing that, when you work your way to do that. Your business will explode because all of a sudden the people around you go, man, this lady or this man, they're great to work for, and here's why. I mean, I can just tell them flat out what right. I think, and you know, as long as they're not disrespectful, and they, you know, there, there's a line there, obviously. But when you have that sort of team that that can, you know, when you when you walk into a restaurant with your leadership team, nobody can tell exactly who the owner is because you're all talking together and you're all a cohesive team. Now you're now you're winning. And that's that's what happens when you eliminate blind spots and you allow them to tell you your blind spots. Just just like you tell them their blind spots, you know, and you know, sometimes people do it formally in an evaluation or performance review or whatever. We should be doing this daily. It should not wait for a certain a certain time of the year or or, you know, you have a meeting and the leader goes, Okay, now's the time you can tell me. No, it, you should be asking people to do this constantly. And and those who Really, are become become excellent leaders are those that ask their friends, their spouse, their coworkers, the people that work for them, their 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 executive coach, whoever. Please be blunt and honest with me and tell me when I'm messing up. Those are the people that truly excel because they're always searching and finding a way to become better. And as they become right. better, their business become better because their limiting factor typically is themselves in their business. Yeah, when I worked, in, you know, when I worked in corporate environments myself, uh, especially one time I worked for a large company, uh, and if I was walking down the hall, believe me, I did not want to get buttonholed into any chat about anything or somebody that wanted to <laughs> bend my ear or get my attention. So I actually became pretty studied at acknowledging people without saying a word. So if I could do it, you imagine the CEO could do it. Absolutely. Yeah, and and there's and there's a way you can actually do that, and I and I and I you know I actually studied this and I practiced it and I made myself good at it, where you can make somebody feel that you have acknowledged them, you have expressed your your appreciation of their value as a human being without saying a word, and at the same time conveying the message you don't have time to talk. Yeah, I mean, t- typically people understand that, and especially in a corporate yeah. environment. Now, if you're a small business owner, 
you better take time for your people because that's that's the uh, lifeblood of your business. That and because they're the ones bringing in that revenue that keeps you running. So, um, yeah, there's a difference there, I think, between the business owner and the and the corporate entity. But um, I think it's, there, it's I very think important too. I think the I think it's a matter of scale because you're going to have uh, you're going to have more collapsed organizational structures and you're going to have fewer people so more people are going to be directly involved in things even with a large company however everybody plays an economic role in helping that company succeed and if they're not and if you can't evaluate what they're doing and determine ways that their efforts are actually saving you a lot of money or making you a lot of money you may want to think about one of two things uh are, they, are you giving them the job that needs to be done, and are they the person that need to be doing it? Yes, um, that that's critical to understand that people are in the right roles for sure. Yeah. And to me, that go, and to me that goes back to the idea of uh, vision, because uh, you know you, we we discussed the vision story on both sides. Yes. So, so for the employee being there, is this my vision story? Is this where I want to be? Do I feel like I'm making a difference? Is this where I want to contribute? Is this the intersection of my brilliance and passion? And for the leader, it's their vision story of how do I see all these puzzle pieces working together? And what have I done to help make this puzzle come together as a coherent whole? And what do I need to do? Yeah, you just touched on a very other key important point that kind of ties back to vision story, and that is um, the vision story for your employees. If you're a small shop and you have five to ten employees or something like that, this is very critical. But but even if you're five to a hundred employees, it's still it's still very important. And that is, do their vision for their lifestyle match up with the role that they're in your in your uh, company? Uh, I actually talked to a client this morning that had that same concern because um, they have an employee who wants a certain lifestyle that doesn't fit within the role that they have. They need to be working some overtime and weekends, and they don't want to work that. Well, when they hired this person, they didn't make that abundantly clear. And now that they're sometime into the role, now they're you know, bowing up, if you will, and saying, hey, I don't want to work weekends and nights anymore. And they're going, well, yeah, but we need right. you to do that. And so there's this conflict. And so when you when you are hiring people on the front end, you need to truly understand their vision for their life and, and know that the role that they're going to provide for you and your business is going to match up to their vision because that's just as Correct. critical. Now, it's not as deep or as drawn out as the vision story you do for the business and the business owner, but it's still very important. And, you know, and you can, and you can construct that in ways without, uh, you know, getting super detailed and find out is it going to be abundantly clear to both parties that this is what the expectations are. So um, you touched on a very, very key point there about, about taking the vision story to the employee level as well. Yeah, ex- exactly. So we have about eight minutes here, and I know you want to share a little bit about how people can get involved with their vision story. So let's ask just one more question here and spend just a couple minutes on it here is, um, you know, if uh, what are some tips? that a business creator can do today. So let's say that you had somebody working with you and you had and they wanted to take some sort of tangible or appreciable step forward today. Where can they start? Mm-hmm. Well, um if they if they want to start with the vision story and I don't care if they're just starting a business, they've been in the business for, you know, multiple years, or it doesn't matter whether they're in their trajectory. Uh, well, they can go to businessownerfreedom.com. And at businessownerfreedom.com, we have a, a template, a PDF template on on the vision story. 
And if anybody's interested in doing that and they follow through with that, it'll get them started off. Now, it, it, you know, if they want to go deeper, they can contact us and we'll be glad to help them get deeper and actually even review their vision story with them. But um, there is a template there that will help you start thinking through it. And my suggestion is you take that and and don't try to do it in one sitting. It's going to take some time and and work over it for several days and and do it when you have some quiet time and then and then like I said before you know either get with your family or whoever else is going to be involved in this vision story and quite honestly we've seen people make dramatic changes in their business because of this some some people that have been in business literally I've seen them over 30 years have have done the vision story and go okay here's some things about my business that are just driving me crazy that I've never addressed it's time I address them right so maybe they maybe they either they either delegate some of their uh, activities to somebody else in their business so they can have more time off, or they sell a piece of their business. Or I've, had, I've seen business owners, they look at it and they go, okay, I'm just selling. It's time for me to sell. So we help them put a, an exit strategy together. And we, we, you know, that, that can be a result of a vision story. Or sometimes it's just they simply go, okay, here's some things I'm going to change. Here's some people I'm going to hire. I'm going to, I'm going to stop doing some of the things that I don't like doing and get somebody else to do that piece. And, and, and there's a lot of things that can come out of this as you think through it. So, so warning up front, if you do a vision story, be prepared for change, especially if you've been in business for some time. Um, if you're a business owner that is living in chaos every day and, and just, just flat overwhelmed and you wanted to work with a business coach and, and a business advisor and get you through that chaos overwhelm, that's exactly where we'd start anyway. We would, we would, ask that you do a vision store before you go any further because we can't take a business somewhere where they don't know they, where they want to go. We have to know clearly where they want to go, and then we can help them get there. The, the, the thing that I see business owners do day after day, and this is what I would plead with you not to do, is just don't settle. If your business is providing you good income, that's great. But if it's not providing you a, an awesome lifestyle, then you're missing out on something. So that's when you need to take action. Yeah, and uh, my moment, as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, is when I uh, I looked at my vision and I said, "Wow, I'm seeing a blank screen here. Something's got to change." <laughs> yep. So literally, it, it, I looked it, it, at the vision. I looked at the vision, and 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 a turned off monitor looked back at me. Well, I can tell you, we get that sometimes. Sometimes people they they'll they'll start going through the vision story and they're like, I have, I really don't know what I want. Sometimes you have to be coached through it. Sometimes you've got so much, you know, I'll use the word baggage. I don't like that word, but you got so much baggage or so much, you know, so many different ropes tying you down to your business because you've done it for so long that it's hard to see out of that and see what you could have. And sometimes it takes somebody to to basically interview you through the vision story, if you will, and, and coach you through that vision story. And, um, so if you find yourself that way, we'll be glad to do that. That it find somebody that that has the ability to take you through that and lead you out of that forest, you know, and, and get you in the clearing so you can look back and go, okay, there's the forest. Let me let me restructure that what that looks like now for me to match my lifestyle that I want. Um, and I know from dealing with small business owners every day, I, I would say seventy eighty percent um, are living in chaos and overwhelm. And they can't see a way out because they, I mean, they have to do it to feed their family. Well, let's find a way to do that and yet make it what you want it to be. You know, it's, it's a shame to see business owners feel like that they have to go to their own place of business. 
You know, that's not what yeah. you want. You, you you should wake up in the morning going, I get to go there. I'm so blessed I get to go there or I get to do this, yep. not I have to do this. So we want to change that language by setting up a lifestyle for you that, that you know, right. meets what you want. Yeah, I'm I'm with, I'm with you. And you know, uh you know, just uh you know, just thinking along those lines of you know, having that excitement about what you're doing and this goes back to my approach to minimalism and pursuit of maximum results. I found a very powerful question to ask is do I have to? Right. Because you may find, you may find that uh your actual brilliance and passion have been buried beneath so many layers of expectations you've had placed on you by others, you placed on yourself, and you placed on yourself based on the expressed wishes of others, that the reason you even started to do it in the beginning is just kind of buried. And sometimes just going back to a raw, revolutionary approach is what you need to kickstart the engine. I've found that in myself. Yeah, that's very, uh, very common thing that that I see. I mean, it, you know, you leave the treadmill of corporate world, start your own business, and get your, and then you, all you did was create your own treadmill. And we, right. you know, we as humans, we we sometimes fail because we we're we, our head is down and we're working so hard as that technician. And then we look up and go, oh my gosh, I created myself another job, but now I have to do it. Right. Uh, so we try to help. Well, we do. We help business owners get out of that and, and find a way out of that. And sometimes the path is fairly quick, and sometimes it takes a little effort. But either way, it can be it can be done. Wow, yeah. And as the other thing I like to say is, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, maybe somebody said, well, I have to support my family. I can't just give this up. Or I'm on a plan to achieve financial independence, and if I can soldier through this for five more years, I'll get there. I mean, there are a lot of reasons that people may give. And to me, a reason is why you do it. An excuse is what makes it okay or not. Uh, some people say that's exactly. an excuse, not a reason. I say it's a reason, right. not an excuse, because your reason doesn't have to make logical sense. It's your reason. The excuse right. is, do we accept this or do we, or do we look for a different way? And, you know, if you are in that situation and you say, well, yeah, if I were to make this change, it would take me five years to get out of it and make this change happen. The only thing I could say, and this may be a great place for us to leave it, is, well, hell, if you know it's going to take you five years, if you wait till tomorrow to get started, the only thing you know for sure today is it's going to take you five years in one day. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, Gregory Gray, I want to thank you so much for being with us today, and I want to remind our audience to make sure to take up on Greg's offer to uh, check out the uh, check out the vision. What, what are we calling it? The uh, vision story the vision template. Story. Yes. At, yep. Yeah, the vision story template at businessownerfreedom.com. Greg, it's been an honor and an education. Thank you. Hey, thanks for the conversation. I appreciate it very much. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.